Welcome to the Spirituality of Strength Training with your host, Anna Willard. This podcast is dedicated to bring you knowledge, wisdom, inspiration, and guidance to wherever you may be on your health journey. For those who are new to me, I am a kettlebell strength coach, a movement nerd ninja, and an empowerment coach on a mission to bring you hope through our health. The root word of health comes from wholeness. The root word of wholeness comes from holy. Despite our differences with religion and spiritual beliefs, we are all human beings with a body that is designed to reflect this holiness through our health. It wasn't until my seventh year as a health profession where I went into a deep awakening of understanding what does it mean to train my spirit and to heal my spirit through the physical. You'll hear a little bit more about my story from other health professionals, from strength coaches, psychiatrists, spiritual gurus and leaders, to other people who talk about the importance of our health as a community body and the health of our planet as well. This podcast is to allow us to step into our whole health, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you for being here. If you love what you hear, I encourage you to subscribe. If you want more inspiration and quotes from these podcasts, I encourage you to follow me on Instagram at Anna underscore Willard underscore. I encourage you to do a little bit of a movement, either yoga flow, go for a walk, sit in nature as you enjoy this episode. Hey, Strong Ones, welcome to today's episode. Today we have Drew, who is a strength coach and a yogi, and most importantly, a wonderful father. Drew, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for the intro. Appreciate that. Yeah. What, um, before we dive into the main topic that we will be diving into, can you share a little bit of how you went from a strength coach to a yogi and now the balance of both worlds? Yeah, thank you. Um, I was in a lot of pain. Mm. I, was comp- I had competed in bodybuilding and I had been lifting for um, about 16, 17 years consistently. Uh-huh. A lifter like if I missed the lift like something just didn't sit right and I would have a tough time sleeping so I was like really really in the practice of lifting weights and competed in powerlifting for a few years and enjoyed all things big and strong and right I didn't realize this is um it was more of like an unconscious like defense mechanism and I was like compensating with fitness as like my way of just kind of armoring up mm-hmm. and, um, putting on slabs of muscle to um be big and scary and protect myself because I felt scared. I felt mm. scared. I didn't know that because um, I just, I'd been like so uh, disassociated for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of a long winded answer to your question, but no, I think that's good. I was hurting emotionally, uh, physically. I really uh-huh. didn't have a sense of grounding or like self awareness from like a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hurt myself squatting for the 20th time in my low back. Yeah. And uh, I had had my 
my first child. I'm a father of uh, one beautiful human being named River. And he was about four months old and I was stressed. Um, and I was just in a really tough place. And all I could really do was yoga at the time. And I had a couple of friends who owned a local studio called Bala Yoga, which I now teach at. Mm -hmm. And um, this was like 2016. And I started practicing yoga as like my main movement activity. Mm -hmm. And uh, as opposed to something I do like on a Sunday every once in a while or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause it's really all I could do. And I kept crying. Like I kept, <laughs> it's just like on my mat and I would just be crying. And I, and I um, was just, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. This is what I tell my brothers and myself. Crying is the only way the spirit sweats. So let the tears fly. Like that's how. <laughs> yeah. Well, so much, I mean, just breathe. Right. Know? Yeah. Cultivating an awareness of, of how I hold energy in my body or how I let it go. Mm -hmm. um, and I was a mess and like the, the teachers that I was practicing with at the time like would just speak right to my little beating heart here and I felt like uh, like I used to be into young life um, when I was like in middle school and high school and did the church thing for a little bit I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home but I was it was something that I tried out you know mm -hmm. I tried on for several years and I never really dug it, but the part that I loved was the worship piece, mm. you know, like being able to sing and clap it, like I'll get the tingles. Um, and like, I felt like yoga was like a place of worship for mm. me. I just felt like my soul mm. was having an opportunity to like breathe. And um, it's been like the main tool in my plethora of getting to know myself and cultivating self-awareness. Um, practices whether it be going to therapy or getting a massage like doing all the self-care things like mm -hmm. yoga and like my my number one for uh, like reconnecting to who I really am mm -hmm. and so this has been like a a love affair now for three four years and I went and got teacher trained um, through a wonderful woman named Greta Hill she's part of the Rasa Yoga tribe she's over at um, Bala Fremont where she runs her teacher trainings. Right. I have a client who's going through her um, training right now. Oh, she says it's yeah. She says it's amazing. Yeah. yeah she's a real deal with Holyfield. Like she knows yeah. the stuff. Great. Yeah. And um, I'm currently doing the 300 hours. So I'll have my 500 by the end of May. Uh -huh. I've been, you know, into, I'm just a physical being. So I love strength training and I appreciate it. And I still right. exercise and lift weights. So can I ask you a question? So, cause it sounded like you just like all you could do at that time in your life was just yoga. What yeah. brought you back to strength training and the balance of the two worlds? Yeah. Well, it's what I do professionally. Right. right. Um, it's how I make my living. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, I wasn't in a place to be able to financially support me just completely diving into yoga. Cause we all know how much money yoga. <laughs> um, I don't mean to laugh at whoever's a yoga teacher out there. I just understand that like that it's, it's a, a hustle. It's a hustle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um you know, like it's you can't fake that shit. Like you gotta embody it. Right. You truly want to like be not that you need to be some ultra spiritual, you know, like guru or creature. Yeah, a lot of it is just like taking ownership and realizing mm -hmm. like I'm a work in progress here and I'm doing my damn best but this is what i know thus far and here's what i can offer right um 
so yeah, I mean, I, and I enjoy the physical practice of being strong. Right. And you can cultivate that 1000%. I also like to lift something heavy every now and then just me being right. my, my male body here. It's like, right. well, it feels good for me. Yeah. I've had to learn to like, okay, I'm not going to be squatting 500 pounds anymore, or I'm not going to be pulling over 600. Like I, it's not mm-hmm. what I feel like my spine would appreciate at this right. point in the game. So, yeah. um, now it's more just about like fully occupying and having like cultivated some really healthy proprioception so I can feel myself in space and um, also like have a healthy level of interoception and be able to name what I'm feeling because mm-hmm. all that muscle for so long, like I really got disconnected and disassociated from being able to sense and perceive my internal state. Mm-hmm. It would come out unconsciously, whether I was lying or I was angry or I'd have these knee-jerk reactions that were explosive, you know, just holding on to so much tension. Right. Um, and so strength training was my, my way of dealing with that and through the yoga practice and a lot of other mm-hmm. self-soothing techniques, I've been able to learn how to just reestablish more of a healthy baseline. So at neutral, at homeostasis, I'm like chilling mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of revved up all the time. Right. Yeah. Now you are leading a couple of workshops about the psoas muscle. For those who don't know what that muscle is, can you explain it and then um, what you will be teaching? Yeah, great. I'm teaching a workshop called Rewild Your Psoas. And it's, uh, I'm running one this um, weekend, February 8th. And then I'm another, running another one um, this month and another one in April. Mm-hmm. We'll have all that details in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the innermost muscle of the body. It's mm-hmm. uh, it really holds the spine and the legs together. Right. It's the only muscle that really runs like across the entire pelvis and attaches to the like the femur and then also runs up and over the the pelvis over the the lip of the base in there and comes up and attaches to all five lumbar vertebrae. Mm-hmm. Of it's actually a long muscle, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And, so for those who don't know what we're referring to as a as is more of the hip flexors. So if you have tight hip flexors, tune in. This is, this is all for you. Yeah. yeah. And it is, um, so anatomically and from like a biomechanical perspective, it's the, right. of the hip flexor, but really its job is to remain like this neutral kind of almost like hip stabilizer than anything else. Right. Know? And really be tuned into more of like the sensory emotional process than an actual physical mover. Mm, okay. So it just tends to, get rigid right it is like right. it's also the muscle of the soul and like eastern medicine um, why why is it called that yeah well you're just thinking from an energetic perspective like what mm-hmm. part think of like your gut yeah you think of okay from a chakra level whether mm-hmm. you're talking manipura or you're talking like from an eastern medicine chinese perspective like you're talking liver and gallbladder energies and like mm-hmm. what that has to deal with um, there's like anger and there's will and there's action and there's fire thinking about mm-hmm. the adrenals that sit right on top of the yep. kidneys as well. Okay. Um, yeah. And the kidneys being like the water nourishing organs in our body, water being like, you know, we're 80% of us is essentially water and we're just mm-hmm. like vibrating molecules. Right. So trying to have like a sense of fluidity in our body is like mm-hmm. very important. So it's hard to be in flow and be present if your psoas is overly active because it mm. overtonified and it's we it under like um we feel less hydrated 
And we want that psoas. So essentially the psoas is the filet mignon of the human body. Mm-hmm. You're like eating the filet mignon, you're eating the psoas of the cow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. The thing is the, like, it's the most prized, you know, you order filet mignon on the menu. It's like a hundred dollar cut most of the time from a nice steakhouse because it's the tenderest, juiciest, supple, right? It's like smooth muscle. Right. Yeah. Like, like really striated. Uh-huh. But if we don't like have like a healthy level pelvis underneath us, or we have an excessive amount of fear in the mm-hmm. system, thinking about how that psoas ties in close to the adrenals, right? Created right. with fight, fl- you know, freeze, fight, flight, mm-hmm. uh, either excessive sympathetic tone or becoming like disassociated because you don't know how to handle that tension. Right. Um, you can like shut off from your emotions. You can start to go emotionally numb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so muscle from muscle of the soul, like being able to have a healthy, like sense of stability underneath you, mm-hmm. like, feel grounded. Yeah. Also, at the same time, being able to feel uplifted, right? Because it ties in intimately to like the SCM and the hyoid musculature as well. So feeling like having a an aligned spine is like what it's all about. And if that psoas is stiff mm-hmm. um, due to excessive fear or micro trauma or however you want to like or just from a culture where we sit down all the time that, that, that was going to be my next question of like what about the our sit culture like what we're yeah. always sitting even right. with me like, like i sit a lot still yeah so floor culture is huge right you start listening to like um there's so much research demonstrating that countries that where people don't sit in chairs all the time, but sit on the floor, have like mm-hmm. way less incidence of like osteoarthritis in the knees, hips, low back. Oh, interesting. Because they're having to like have flexibility to be able to sit down as opposed to putting ourselves kind of like in this lazy boy position all day. Right. Yeah. Driving or sitting down at our desk. Uh-huh. And so the issues are in the tissues, right? So whether it's from like an internal perspective where we've like encapsulated and held on to tension mm-hmm. or we've just put ourselves in that pattern all day right and so it's like it's a chicken or the egg situation it can work both ways mm-hmm. um so being able to have so it's all about micro habits really right. how to, like how do you reestablish a healthy psoas so are you going to be teaching how to if that muscle is tight or taut are you teaching how to release it what are you be te- teaching during this workshop yeah. hands-on or more the like spiritual aspect of things or both yeah all of it and it's two hours so i i um it's my first time doing it so we'll see how it like you know changes and evolves as right i create um but it's it's ultimately like a self-soothing workshop mm-hmm. are you feeling anxious you know being able to name it like cultivate like some somatic intelligence right because it's not about mm-hmm. doing it right it's just about cultivating like an inner understanding of what's happening not necessarily right. you know like oh my psoas is firing up my quadratus laborum their <laughs> efferent response in my bagel you know whatever bullshit <laughs> oh i'm feeling um like i need to be able to, i should like maybe massage my belly right now mm-hmm. or maybe i should go outside and do like some pranayama real quick and like get some air and energy out the system so i can feel grounded mm-hmm. uh, so there's that element like hey how do we release the psoas um Mm -hmm. and also like how do we redistribute like a sense of ease in the body right Mm -hmm. so the psoas is like a huge gatekeeper 
Mm -hmm. uh, also don't want to shoot the messenger either. It's not just the psoas issue. It's just like a, it's responding to other things happening in your nervous system. So. Well, the reason why I was curious to have you on the show is because I always have dealt with tight hip flexors. Um, and I think it's just because of the world that we live in and also what I used to do with water skiing and everything. But also at the same time, um, looking at the clients that I'm working with and how they're transitioning things and how the stress of life has affected their body and everyone's, so it has, has flared up mm. and it's just like, got to have Drew on the show. So yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. well, everyone's got psoas stuff or a hip flexor stuff. Right. You know, well, thing now for sure. Um, what is the effect? How, like, how does that muscle process stress and why does that muscle particularly flare up is it more just the environment that we're in or is it because of what that eastern medicine is saying and more of like it's the muscle of the soul uh yes <laughs> you know in terms of like this actual somatic intelligence of the psoas muscle that's like for me to to dive into and understand more uh -huh. um, by its basic, you know, it's in the same, like, it is the deepest muscle in our body, right? So right. Looking at like an anatomical picture of the human body cut in half from like a mm -hmm. bird eye view, mm -hmm. there's the spine, right? And then outside of the, like the, and then the QL or the psoas, the QL and these layers of muscles, right? Right. So in like, it's in the deepest connective tissue sheath, which is also mm -hmm. attached to our spine and our nervous system. Ah, so it's yeah an extension of like what we are sensing and experiencing all the time mm. because it's so intimately tied no other mu muscles are in that same like neural connective tissue sac right okay so there's that that instantaneous like feedback that right. is moving all the time um so there's there's that element uh -huh. so by it being located close to the adrenals you know and having like a um a significant tie into autonomic nervous system function as a result and so what we are like unconsciously responding to mm -hmm. moving the world like the psoas is is definitely like keyed in to what's happening there mm -hmm. fascinating yes yeah, wow yeah like the whole idea of like rewilding a psoas is like how like from a yogic perspective you know there's the understanding that like we are you know um perfect and whole as is right and as we mature you know we forget or we become conditioned and we experience life and things happen mm -hmm. so there's the practice of you know cultivating awareness and returning to that sense of wholeness and self that we have mm -hmm. right we just need we just forgot and then continuing to do the practice to remain in that space mm -hmm. so like having a this this concept of rewilding is essentially just getting back to our base space like this is neutral so a healthy mm -hmm. psoas isn't you know an extensor or a flexor it's just like this neutral muscle that's like creating a sense of ease in the body mm -hmm. you to engage with the world and um, move from a space of like health and vitality as opposed to having like this rigidity in our system right from a place of like defensiveness and we live in a stressed out culture so mm -hmm. not like our baseline homeostatic state, whether conscious or not, is coming from a place of um, like defensiveness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, 
as opposed to feeling safe and secure, you know, we're able to be more creative and be in flow. Right. Purpose. I think so a question that there's um do you agree that there's a time and a place where you need to have your defenses up? Oh, 1000. I mean, it's how we survived. Right, right, right. So yeah. where is the balance cuz there's been definitely times in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm totally in this flow. Like mm-hmm. it it was it was it was a fun ride, but then I had to get like back into that defensive mode. Where's the balance? Um this doesn't not necessarily have to go with like muscle protect but where's the balance of finding those two things yeah well have you ever studied any work by uh mihai cheek set mihai nope like he wrote the book on flow like he's a, so he's like the pioneer of flow psychology oh, okay um and i think i said his name correctly but he talks about the flow state as the, or like in yoga it's playing your edge right uh-huh. um of you know not too hot not too cold but like in yin yoga it's like the goldilocks principle right of just okay in that sweet spot uh-huh so where you're in the sweet spot is where you're being like you're growing um you're being challenged you know so you're not bored mm. think about like if you're you're in the zone you know when you were in uh, competitive water skiing right it's like it's challenging um but you're still engaged and having fun at the same time and you're right engrossed in the moment uh-huh um, and so like the border of of being defensive versus versus um you know, being in flow is Uh a constant um, balancing act of like figuring out where your boundaries are and have life experience to be able to discern like, oh, this is unhealthy and I'm going to remove myself from the situation or Mm -hmm. not find myself with this energy anymore or engage in this conversation. Like I'm triggered. I'm out. (laughs) I'm going to go breathe for a second. Um, and allow my nervous system to settle down so I can, you know, speak from like a heart-centered place as opposed mm-hmm. to an imaginary place because we've all had moments in our lives where we wish we could take those things back. So, right. Um, uh, but it's not just all, you know, butterflies and cupcakes all the time. Like, <laughs> this is, this is life and life gets lifey and shit's going to go down. So, and messy. Yeah. yeah. And that's cool. Like respond you that in the way that you need to respond given the circumstances, but right. then I hold on to that mm-hmm. and so could we, we internalize that stress or that tension right and the so as instead of being that juicy filet mignon turns into beef jerky after a while and gets brittle mm-hmm. so yeah so how do we rehydrate how do we reflourish and right yeah um you do a lot of kettlebell stuff right i do yeah so you've done the, the fast and loose where does the fat or like, how does that fasten loose or the importance of it with strength training and keeping that muscle in that neutral position? How does it, how does like, what's the, like, what's, the, what's the importance of like the fasten loose within between strength sets Oh yeah. and keeping this muscle neutral? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I don't, I think, the fast and loose, you know, as in like the chug breath and kind of shaking it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we go from a space of like, from a hard style, you were creating a lot of tension and right. a ton of recruitment and stabilizing like our whole body and making the whole body work. Right. Creating this like contraction and mm-hmm. fast and loose, the, the yin to that yang, mm-hmm. right? able to redistribute balance. So we're talking about neutrality. That's like a perfect example of how to, if the pendulum is going over here. Right. In, the, in between, you know, the, the off time, like we mm-hmm. 
reestablish like some almost parasympathetic tone. Right. Even swing back harder the opposite direction because we've taken the time to exercise that full spectrum as opposed uh -huh. to redlining and being in one area. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. That into your last question enough right there. I don't know. <laughs> um, because I feel like also. If you have a tight psoas, it doesn't mean that you're constantly in a state of fear. Yeah. There's, there's room for interpretation and all this. It could be like, yo, bro, I just sit down all day. Am I right? Right. So from like a, what can we do from a practical standpoint? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, we need to uh, get our glutes strong. Like weird. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially for people though, who if they have chronically stiff psoases and we become like hyperlordotic and we mm -hmm. start or lower cross syndrome stuff happening where you start rounding in the shoulders and excessively arching into the low back. Mm -hmm. Elvis, if looking at someone from the side dips forward, the bowl is spilling forward. Um, we're getting like low back spinal compression and the low back gets exhausted. Yeah. So, uh, it's not that the low back is weak more often than not. It's just usually just really tired from mm -hmm. like constantly being a little bit over engaged all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, stretching out the anterior chain, getting into the quads, um, getting into the hip flexors and again the hip flexor the hip flexors the psoas in particular is like the messenger so you don't want to shoot the messenger right so there's like the so right have you seen the so right before mm -mm. it's on like you can just usually popping up on instagram ads and stuff or on facebook or something but it looks almost like a football tee that you would kick a football on oh okay um and you lay on it and mm -hmm. it your psoas muscle and that's like one way of going about it, but ultimately right. you're shooting the messenger really. Uh huh. So as just responding to overall like sensory input from the rest right. of your body and your yeah. Brain. So that's not like it feels really good short term, but actually ends up making it more worse chronically long term. I'm not trying to bust so right's bubble here. This is just right. I'm like. Um, so do you recommend not to roll that out? Well, I love like taking um, uh, Jill. What's her last name? Um, I want to give her a shout out, but she's responsible for uh, yoga tune up. Yeah, yoga tune up. Yeah, yoga tune up. Mm -hmm. As like the core Aegis ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's cool because you put it on your skin because it has, it's almost kind of sticky, right? Yep. So you can create some nice fascial shearing, right? Mm -hmm. Or gliding surfaces. To yep. Also, you can go like the inexpensive route and buy a dodgeball and just keep it halfway inflated. Right. And, massage your belly and roll on that just so you can have some create some sliding surfaces not just for your psoas but for all the mm -hmm. organs around it because a psoas isn't like just it's in relationship to all the other organs and muscles in your body too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So making that whole core area feel fluid mm, right and open right and mm -hmm. not overly rigid we end up having when we get stiff psoases we usually get tight hamstrings as a result too and like an overly rigid external core mm -hmm. so being able to soften where we need to soften and strengthen where we need to strengthen. Right. To distribute balance. So now the psoas has a chance to be able to chill out. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's really, it's like fun. And there's- I'm like there's, contemplating oh, my things of what I'm doing with my clients now. I'm like, did I go this the right way or not? <laughs> you know, we live in like a really repressed culture in America. Right. Uh, just good old Puritan, like ancestral roots here of- mm -hmm. We are all sinners and we need to be pure. So there's like this idea of like, you know, we, we, we bottle things up. We don't keep things, we, we keep things in. Um, and so we hold on to that tension. And so, yes, there's this 
talking, you know, where they were talking about body keeps the score or waking mm. up and different like somatic um, therapists and right. researchers out there. Uh, there's also like, we need to take energy in too. So mm. like, what other strength training exercises? Because if it's overly rigid and stiff, right. opportunity, yes, it's stiff, but it's also weak. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, so um, how do we strengthen this part of our body too? So I love reverse crunches, like really mm-hmm. teaching people to get into lower abdominal area. Mm-hmm. Um, anything for posterior chain where we can get into hip extension, that lumbar extension. Right? Yeah, like FRC style, like access external and internal rotation capabilities and have, you know, stability at end range. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many different things that, that we could do to redistribute balance. But ultimately, okay, looking at someone from the side, first of all, are they in like a sad puppy position? You know, like, right. right? Are mm-hmm. we orthotic? Mm-hmm step one and then being able to see like what do we need to do on a daily basis to mm-hmm. regroup this into our like neural circuitry right but, like two downloads a week aren't going to cut the cake because we're <laughs> using these parts of our body all day so um, what are the things that we can do naturally like almost effortlessly every single day to redistribute balance so not sitting in a chair mm-hmm. like sitting crisscross yeah sitting knees or whatever hanging you know, mm-hmm. deep in your spine and opening up, um, you know, walking barefoot, mm-hmm. like reconnecting a sense of safety by getting your feet into the earth and creating that grounding sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, and having like healthy hip extension too, you know, so walk your ass up a treadmill or a mountain, you know, it's <laughs> like your, your butt. Right. right. Yeah. Um, focusing on the exhale. Uh-huh. like these patterns like we tend to hold in yeah yeah i think one of my favorites and you may this is up for debate um i'm curious what you have to say about this is just going into that half kneeling position and just slightly getting into that tuck and coming into more of that neutral position where people feel that stretch versus just that quad but they feel it right up into their hip Mm -hmm. and then a hand on their chest hand on their stomach and this breathing into their stomach yeah and like that I shared that with one client. She goes, Oh my gosh, I'm going to use this breathing thing, whatever yeah. you just taught me right before a meeting. And I was just like, yeah, perfect. That's what, exactly what you need. Like, yeah. um, so what, do you do anything else with the breath and the stretch or just like getting into that neutral position? So, I mean, my, one of my favorite things to do in a yoga class is it's what it's called pontoon posture, right? Okay. Where, um, you either take a bolster or a block and place it underneath like your sacrum, like your tailbone area. Yeah. So you're just lying down on your back with your hips elevated. Uh-huh. So you're creating like a gentle opening. Right. The psoas is so deep, it doesn't respond well to like fast, explosive, you know, movements. It's mm. more of a subtle motion because it's in the, it's more intimately connected to the subtle body, it being like right. an inner, inner muscle. So it tends to respond well in like yin type situations, right? Almost, almost from like a connective tissue standpoint where it's uh, less about like lengthening and strengthening rapidly like how muscles like to respond to training mm-hmm. but more from like a slow um like sensual experience and really being able to feel yourself considering the so as is so much like sensory focus so it's really about feeling you right but in the low belly like that's the in tantric yoga it's called the sea of intimacy like or 
the space just underneath your belly button or like your mm-hmm. lower dantian like this is like your wheelhouse of like right. of creativity of sexuality of intimacy and like of overall your emotional feeling and your psoas is like right up in the mix mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily like how do we um strengthen this thing the good old american valued way but like how can we like really feel into this thing mm-hmm. um so there's so there's, how do you how do you because are you you're teaching more group setting or are you doing more one-on-one i do one-on-one uh my bread and butter like the way i make my money is doing semi-private training at my gym okay okay so when you lead through someone through this or Oh, sorry. The pontoon posture, right? Let me yeah. Good question. Yeah. And then, yeah. I'll just, then I'll do some Wim Hof. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because that's, it's been proven, you know, to put people into more of a parasympathetic tone. Yeah. Um, like hyper oxygenation and exhaling that out. Right. Yeah. Or like you're opening up the psoas gently, subtly. Uh-huh. You know, start with some box breath and get people like connected to their low belly, you know, place right. like, on it or maybe place their hand on their low back and just like cultivate some awareness there mm-hmm. and we'll rev it up and do some Wim Hof and uh, let people really like sink in and it's um it's pretty powerful you always have to be like mindful and and careful with those situations because it can trigger and pull up some stuff right that was going to be my next question because there's been more times I mean this is one of the main reasons why I work out and on my own is just because of all the amount of tears that bubble out of my body when I'm doing this type of like yeah. really just like intentional work and not yeah. just like getting the gains or getting the reps or, you know, working for that goal, but really just listening and tuning in what my body really needs. As a person who's facilitating this, how do you help guide or continue to guide those people through those emotions? Like sometimes we're very fearful to even go down that path. Yeah. Um, so how do you hold that space and allow and let them know that they're safe yeah. when their body doesn't even may, may not even feel safe in that space? Great question. You know, I'm not like a, a breath worker. I'm friends with people who are like, that's what they do. Right. And uh, they would be like the absolute resource to, to talk to in this regard. But I always preface like, here's what we're going to do mm-hmm. here. Um, what it could potentially do. And if this is the case, you know, like return. And mm-hmm. I, cause this happened to me. I've been that person. Yeah. I was doing my, my practice, my Wim Hof practice. Are your listeners familiar with that or your clients? I mean, if uh, I, were- so I think some people maybe we've had a couple of people on the show who've talked about that type of stuff before. Right. right. Um, it's essentially, it's a way of like breathing, like, a lot of oxygen into your body and really like it's almost doing like reps like as if you're doing bicep curls for your lungs and your diaphragm mm-hmm. and through this like you really facilitate like a healthy level of oxygenation but also it's like really it creates ease inside the body it feels alive um and after you do it a few rounds and as you settle down after your body really tones down but during the process of taking all that air in because it's kind of fight or flighty it can trigger Right. Some people, especially for those who tend to hold on to things, right? Yeah. But exhaling can like let some of that somatic uh, tension out. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's great when we start crying or it's great if we start shaking, you know, from like a trauma release exercise standpoint. Right. But it also can be terrifying. Right. 
right? So when I was doing it, I was doing like five rounds with a friend uh, being led by a Wim Hof practitioner. And like by round three or four, I felt this overwhelming sense of fear. It was like this like visceral primordial fear that is like bubbled up from underneath me. Mm-hmm. I got freezing cold, even though it was like 90 degrees and we were doing this outside. Wow. And I was trembling and I was just like, tears are just coming out like the sides of my eyes and like the practitioner had to come and like put his hand on me. He's like, hey, you're safe. Yeah. Continue to breathe. And like, if you feel ready and you'd like to join us, you know, come back, you know? So uh-huh. like around, like I was okay. And I came back into the last one, but um, so he handled it very well. You know, mm-hmm. he's doing, but he just uses mother ease voice mm-hmm. like this hey you got it right just chilling me out a little bit yeah so that's what i try and do if that does happen mm-hmm. that hasn't happened in a class yet but i'm only doing like three minutes of it you know you start doing it for 20 30 minutes and it's like a whole other experience right, right. Mm-hmm. so i don't feel like I, I put people in a space enough to be able to trigger that but I'm down to. I'm also not like certified. And at the same time, it's a breath technique, right? So you don't have to have a particular license to do it. But at the same right. time, it's fun to introduce people to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think because we live in a society that we just breathe so shallowly. I remember the first time when I learned how to breathe, you know, through my whole diaphragm with working with the kettlebells, I was just like, I can't swing a kettlebell until I learn how to breathe right. Like, what? <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> Training in preschool, okay, you breathe through your nose, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. right? Make sure you get air out. Um, yeah, we're mouth breathers. And mouth breathing is associated with, like, lack of, like, brain function, too. You're just not oxygenated. Like, the actual word haole, you know, like, they call the white, like, a haole in Hawaii. Mm. Um, it's now just, like, a white person. But, <laughs> but what it actually means is, like, shallow breather. Or like, and they're disconnected from their soul, essentially. <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't be a mouth breather. Don't be a mouth breather. Yeah. Well, um, the room that I'm renting, I have one more minute before mm-hmm. someone like comes in and opens the store. So, Drew, um, thank you first for being on the show. It's fun talking to you about the interconnection of our body and the spiritual and the emotional aspects it holds. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listener? Yeah, I mean, it's again, I, I said this earlier, but it's not about doing it right. It's about cultivating uh, an inner awareness. And mm-hmm. so um, take your time, like be kind and curious with yourself as opposed to getting it right. <laughs> and, you know, um, and if you have any questions, like, I'd, I'd love to be able to, to help. And thank you for the opportunity. I, I appreciate speaking to you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, hope. I can attend one of your workshops. It sounds fascinating. Um, If you enjoyed this show, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you give it the five stars and leave a comment to help grow the show. Hey, Strong Ones, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I am super excited to invite you to my private Facebook group 
where we will be able to continue the conversations from these episodes. I'll share you my wisdom and knowledge about the artistic tool, the kettlebell, and other insights on how to live a healthy and whole life. Click the link below. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review with the five stars. It'll help grow the show and spread this wisdom and knowledge of how to live a healthy and whole life to other people who may need it as well. Blessings on your journey and I look forward to connecting to you on Facebook.